Segabiz presents Sad Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Hello and welcome to Sega Talk, episode number 50, and I think we have a special surprise in this episode for you guys because I'm going to be hosting this one, Barry's going to be my sidekick for this one since we're doing a Sonic the Hedgehog 2 episode, so that means I get to be Sonic, which is pretty cool, Wow! and you get to be Tails, so that kind of sucks because, I mean, Tails is pretty cool actually, I actually like Tails as a character. Um, I think he gets a lot of hate because, you know, people think he looks like a girl or something. But this episode <laughs> is dedicated to Daniel Andres because he paid the $20 tier and he picked Sonic 2, which, it, you know what? I was a little nervous because uh, Sonic 2 is probably one of the most documented uh, Sonic the Hedgehog games ever. Like, you could find yeah. sketches and, like, uh, a lot of deleted levels and prototypes. So I knew this was going to be one of those episodes where I was like pretty upset halfway through the notes where i'm like oh my god i have to not talk about this because we're gonna be here for five hours talking about sonic the hedgehog 2 so i condensed it to a i hope meaty episode where we all learn something new hopefully um so let's give you a little bit of the tidbits sonic the hedgehog 2 (laughs) is one of the most if not the most important game release for the sega genesis the game came out in november 21st 1992 in Japan and a few days later in the West during Tuesday, which is a marketing term, which we will get more into in later in the episode. Like every episode of the podcast, we usually start off with our memories, but today we're going to start off with Daniel's memories since he paid for the episode. Yes. Yes. Uh, so let's let's see what Daniel had to say, and he had a lot to say. So he said, I am so happy that you guys have decided to go with the iconic 16-bit version of the game instead of the highly difficult 8-bit version. Sorry that I did not clarify that before, but I did figure it would be a no-brainer. Anyways, I have a lot to say about Sonic 2. And Barry, if you're reading all of this on the show, then I apologize in advance. It's okay. Uh, Okay, so, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Holy smokes, does this game mean a lot to me or what? It was probably the very first video game that I have ever seen or played right next to Sonic 1. I was only four years old at the time of 1998, and we had my uncle's Sega Genesis to borrow at the time. Mine and my siblings' first video game console, he still has it to this day. I don't quit... I don't quite remember everything in great detail, but I know that I loved Sonic and Tails the moment I first saw them with that glorious title screen. A few years later, sometime after I turned eight years old, my mom had decided to give our uncle back his Sega Genesis. However, shortly after that, we got a GameCube with Mario Sunshine and Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. And around my ninth birthday, or a little bit after it, I got Sonic Mega Collection. This one time, not too long after... My younger sister and I decided to try to finish Sonic 2 for the first time. We got up to as close as Oil Ocean Zone. Flash forward a few years later, and a very close friend of mine was spending the night at our house. He had an Xbox 360, and we played and beat Halo 3 that night. And, for the first time ever in my life, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, baby. Nice. Uh, (laughs) The version on the Ultimate Genesis Collection. As for the game itself, I really do love it, as it ha- and it has grown on me a bit over the years. 
I can still get through this game with a crap ton of continues under my belt, but still manage to get a game over at the final boss every time. Unfortunately, I usually have to use debug mode. I either play the game like that, or I try to get the Chaos Emerald just for fun. I love all the little secrets and cheat codes that are in this game. However, along with the other classic Sonic games, I remember that for the first time I was trying to figure out the cheat codes, I was playing it on the Mega Collection version. I called Nintendo of America, and I asked this lady on the phone for help. And, well, she did. I was probably 10 or 11 at the time. I guess she figured that since I was just a kid... It wouldn't be a problem, but then I had to call back for some extra help, and someone else answered, and they seemed really upset that the lady helped me earlier, and I really hope I did not cost her her job or lose her job. Uh, Sonic 2 is still a game I carry with me to this day, both literally and metaphorically. I have the Android version, too. I love it to death, and I'll always remember it as being one of the first games that I ever laid my eyes on, and I fell in love with it. I have many great memories of the game, but however, it is with it is not my favorite Sonic game. That honor goes to both Sonic 3 and Knuckles and 3C. What's 3C? Sonic 3K3C? C. I don't know. Is that like a fan thing? 3C. Complete maybe the the maybe, maybe it just means complete. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and Sonic Mania. I still love you Sonic 2. I cannot wait for the HD version to be completed. Barry, if you've read all that, I am eternally grateful to your commitment. Thank you so much for picking up this game, guys. P.S. Barry's my favorite. George is okay. I don't really like it. No, I'm just kidding. You didn't say that. I knew. I know Um, you didn't say that. I mean, come on. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. And uh, so tell us about your memories, because yours are probably going to be longer than his. I would assume. Well, I'm this kid's uncle. I was his uncle. (laughs) That was my... No. Um... I, you know, I don't think my memories would be longer than his. Honestly, I, I was racking my brain trying to figure out if I bought this game new or when I got this game. Because, you know, as I've said on this show many times, I received my Sonic the Hedgehog 1 with Sega Genesis Christmas of 1991. And Sonic 2 came out... The next year. Uh, like we were saying... Um, like, November. What was it? Uh, November 24th, I think. 24th, 1992, exactly. Yeah, so... My birthday is November 28th, and I thought, you know, I must have gotten this new for my birthday. And I checked, and I remembered, though, that my Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and I don't know if you can see this on the video, it's kind of hard to see, but it's got a barcode on the back, which means I bought this used. But I swear that I played it, like, at the time of release, and I have this hazy memory of taking either my birthday or Christmas money into the video game store with the full intention of buying Sonic 2. And they were like, well, don't you want to buy it used? It's cheaper. And at the time, I didn't really know what used games were, but I was like, so someone owned this and they gave it back to you and now I'm buying it for less than the exact same thing? And they were like, yeah. So I'm like, okay. And I think it bothered me when I got home because I'm like, this isn't my Sonic 2. It's someone else's, you know? Right. Um, So that's always been kind of a weird thing for me. Uh, is that, I mean, I don't know if I mentioned it, this is my f- probably my favorite Sega game. Ever? And I would say, yeah, ever. Because the I, I say that because, you know, there are certain Sega games I will play and I'll either have problems with it or there will be sections where I'm just really not, uh, not too well-versed in them. Um, 
But like with this game, nothing about it makes me angry. Nothing about it makes me upset. Like I'm nostalgic for like every second, every little inch of this game. And, um, and I will note too that we did a, or I, I did a, um, top 100 Sega games of all time list a couple years ago. And this was number one. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is, and you know, um, we had our Patreon supporter note that he likes Sonic 3 and Knuckles more. I would disagree with him. I I wouldn't disagree with him. He can like whatever he wants. But (laughs) I would say I prefer Sonic 2 to those because this is a complete package. I think it has everything that makes the the 2D Sonic games great without having to buy an extra game, lock it on. Honestly, this is a great sit down and play all the way through in one sitting and have an enjoyable experience. Whereas with Sonic 3 and Knuckles, you got the save states. You're probably playing that over a week. You know, it's not a sit down and play once yeah. sort of game, experience. unlike this. Yeah. So that's that's really me. That's Sonic 2 for me. How about you? So, growing up, like, I told you I was not like that. I'm not the hugest... Sonic fan, like, um, I started Sega Bits on purpose being Sega because I'm more of a Sega person. Um, so mm-hmm. Sonic 2 is one of those games that I played more more in my cousin's house, and, like, they owned that game. Um, they owned 1, 2, and that's it. I, it's so weird that they didn't own 3, though. Um, but I do remember 2 because I remember us playing the multiplayer a lot at their house, and uh, obviously the second controller where we would leave, you know, you always give the youngest cousin the second controller so they can get out of your way and they'll leave you alone. I remember that, and I remember really... Like, even though I was a kid, I was thinking about how brilliant it was for them to add two players that way, where it just makes the game yeah. easier if you want. That was pretty brilliant, in my opinion. Um, and uh, I, th- that's what I remember. And now that, like, when I got older and I started actually playing the game, I appreciated it more, especially for the level design and how open it is and how much more in different paths you find every time you go in. And how you go online and look at a speedrun or play a level and you're like, oh my god, I would never have thought about doing anything close to that when I play the game. Because <laughs> like, I would play totally different. Right. So it's very, it's one of those games that as I got older, I appreciated a lot more. And then when I did the notes and I started breaking down the levels in my head and I'm like, wait, this game was pretty sick. Like just the way everything was designed, I think... It gets a bad rap now from Sonic fans. Uh, I mean, not Sonic fans, but uh, video game fans sometimes, like websites where they're saying, these ge- were these games ever good? Or do they play themselves? No, they definitely right. don't play themselves. I don't know who. Uh-huh. I don't know where that came from. Um, I don't know if it's mm-hmm. Sonic Adventure bumpers that made this ha- uh, a thing. But there are little sections where they do play themselves. But, like, it's very... Um, I would say that Sonic Adventure kind of captured that when you uh, do those little automatic scenes. There's some parts where you go so fast it's automatic for a certain amount of time. And then you're let go and then you have an option to do something else to get to another part of the level. But I'm getting way too into it. That's a great point. Yeah, Um, I I did want to say some other uh, little memories I have of this game. I do distinctly remember one of the first times I was playing it being like so confused by Tails. Because, you know, I, I was playing Sonic 1 for a good year at this point and to to boot it up and have a second player but have the second player there with me because remember like mario luigi it was always separate mm-hmm. you know you'd play one you'd switch off play the other so to hear to see them both together was bizarre to me i remember thinking tails was a little girl <laughs> i think everybody um, does I also yeah i also remember being really confused as to how they did it because i was like 
I'm used to, you know, when you wait and you watch the demo, I'm used to it being like a pre-recorded playthrough. But here I was like, Tails is kind of doing what I'm doing and not doing what I'm doing. So, like, what is this? And I know it's not like high-level AI or anything, Mm -mm. but back in the day, like, seeing this, this was kind of my first taste of AI in a video game because I was trying to figure out in my head, like, is this, like, clearly it's not being streamed to my device from someone else, so what is going on here? And I was just, like, on a technical level, I was so confused. Oh, don't Um, worry. I also will say... Don't worry, dude. I already know what happened. I know how they did it. There's an actual person inside the machine playing with you. (laughs) That's what I used to think when I was a kid. Um, I was like, that's it. That's how it goes. I'll also say that Sonic 1 was just another game to me. I loved Sonic 1, but like when I had Sonic 1, I also had like Ghostbusters and some Disney games. Sonic was just like another one of those games. It wasn't like elevated. I wasn't collecting stuff. It really was Sonic 2 when it came out that really clicked with me. And I was like, I love this character. I love that he has like a little buddy sidekick. I, you know, and then soon after, and we'll get into this, the cartoons, the comics came out. And that's when Sonic, as like a thing, just like hit with me. And I was like, I really like this stuff. And so I think that's also why Sonic 2 is really important to me is Sonic 1 introduced me to the character, but Sonic 2 like got me into the series like proper. And I was just like hooked. So I'm really looking forward to covering this game for the next five hours with you. (laughs) So let's get into the development (laughs) of the game. Unsurprisingly to our readers or listeners... Sonic the Hedgehog on the Sega Genesis was a massive hit for Sega. So it was obvious that a sequel had to come out and quickly because, uh, you know. Uh, so, But it had to start off with drama. Programmer Yuji Naka, uh, who programmed the Hedgehog engine and that was used in the first game, had trouble with Sega management, which seems to be a reoccurring theme with Sega and their developers, uh, especially in the 90s. Uh, it seems yeah. that Sega was happy it was successful, but they weren't happy with the amount of time Yuji Naka took programming uh, the game. I guess he would... I think, like, I, I didn't really, like, I tried to look into it, and it's not really, like... He said he was being bored of office politics, so he decided to quit, quit Sega and leave. But I kind of tried to look more hmm. into this. It's like, why would a uh developer like or a publisher like Sega not like people programming and I, I think it's because back in the day people had multitasking jobs. They would have to do graphics, uh maybe do sound sometimes if they knew how to do it. Uh and Yuji Naka was like, I'm just a programmer. I just program. I don't do anything else. I don't want to do any of that. And I maybe that's what it was, but he left Sega. Well we know this story won't end with Yuji Naka leaving. Um since we know he officially later on left Sega when they left the hardware business, do you think uh, Sega's console history would have changed massively if Yuji never returned? And where do you see him working if he left at the time? Boy, that's a good question. Um, I could see Nintendo snapping him up. I think Easily. they would have seen it as a major win for the SNES to have the co-creator of Sonic the Hedgehog making a game for their console, which they probably would have rushed out for 1993. Um, no, There's no doubt that Sonic 3 and probably Sonic and Knuckles would have happened. I don't get the sense that Knuckles or the really the main story of the sequels after Sonic 2 were heavily influenced by Naka. Um, not to discount his, his, you know, the work that he did. But I think we we probably would have seen a Sonic 3. I don't think we would have seen Knights. 
I don't think we would have seen Burning Rangers. Um, Sama de Amigo. Honestly. Choo Rocket. No, I, you know, if anything, I think Sonic Team probably would have lost a lot of its, um, its clout and leadership. And I think just general Sega management would probably dictate the series, which might actually lead to Sonic being on the Saturn. I think that probably would have happened had Yuji Naka left after Sonic 2, because they would have been like, well, this is our, our boy. Let's keep pushing him. Sonic Team, you make Sonic games. You know, I that's how I feel. How about you? Um, I have to agree. I, I mean, it, it, in the most sense, right? I do think he would have want either went with Nintendo or like a uh, maybe like a PC Graphic Engine, that company that was trying, and maybe, you know, those companies that were trying to make consoles because... Obviously, he already had a successful game under his belt. Uh, you really can't right. replicate Sonic, even though Sonic Two was way more massive in the. I mean, in pop culture wise, during the time, because like 1991 and then 1992, it's like Sonic just came more, more and more massive every year until like in the mid 90s, right? Um, so it's not that surprising that Nintendo would want him. So I would have to agree with you there, and. Yeah, I would assume that there would be a more Sonic games because like Sega of America wanted way more Sonic games than they got. They even started like letting other companies do it, like Traveler's Tales, and you know. Mm-hmm. So in the good U.S. of A, Mark Cerny, or I used to say Kearney, but I, I looked it up and they say Cerny, so I'll say it like that. Who developed a little <laughs> game called Marble Madness? And uh, he was the architect for the PS4, and he made uh, the best game in the world called Knack. I don't know if you guys heard it. It's on the PS4. It's a little underground uh, gym. Um, was creating <laughs> a new studio for Sega of America called Sega Technical Institute, STI. Like Sounds like STD. Uh, the main point of the group was to hire new talent to get their start in the industry, and they wanted... To do this not only with USA uh, developers teaching, but also new developers, but also Japanese established developers teaching them how to make games. The team produced talents such as uh, Tom Payne and Brenda Ross, who did uh, zone art for the game and art for uh, Sonic Spinball. And the biggest talent to come out of the teams was Craig Stitt, who uh, went later on to work with Insomniac Games. And he's actually the guy that created the concept for Spyro the Dragon. So he also tried to make a Tales person. We'll, we'll talk about later when we get down there. But So some of these people have gotten a lot uh, a lot of massive work after leaving Son- uh, Sega Technical Institute. Mark Cerny, for example, right. is the big reason why the PS4 was so developer-friendly since he was he was one of the behind the architect for the, the console. So he is also knowing for... Oh, yeah, we already talked about that. And uh, Spyro... Do you right. see these guys' influences from Sonic taking over after they left? Because uh, Mark also worked with uh, like Naughty Dog when they made Crash Bandicoot. Do you see like uh, Sega's technical institute ideas being implemented in these teams? Um, yeah, that's an interesting take because honestly, for the longest time, I thought Sonic 2 was developed in Japan. I think just through the art, it's a much more Japanese-looking game just through the visuals, um, the sprite work. But to hear that it was so, you know, heavily American influenced surprised, surprised me when I learned that probably a decade or two ago. But, um, and the reason for that is I always felt Sonic three was more of the Western looking type. I actually agree. Um, just, yeah, just in the way Sonic looked, um, the game itself, it seemed much, much more Western friendly with the story, 
you know making a lot more sense i felt yeah um but yeah i i I do get that sense that um there was like a platforming kind of character platformer thing carrying over with him though i always felt like mark cerny was more of a technical guy so sonic 2 always felt very technically innovative in a lot of areas and so to see him go go on in his career and do what he's done doesn't surprise me in the slightest I forget sometimes, though, his um, role with Sonic 2, and so when I see him talking at a, like a press event for PlayStation 5, it just kind of blows my mind that here we are in 2020, and Yuji Naka is debuting a game with Square Enix, while Mark Cerny is debuting PlayStation 5. And it's honestly pretty amazing how far they've come and how they're in such different places now mm. than they were then I also should note too that if you want to learn more about STI, you can listen to episode forty-five, Die Hard Arcade, where we talk about them working on that awesome game. Yeah, and that's a fun, fun episode there. Um, so yes. at the time, it was no surprise that Mark Cerny was actually poaching talent from Sega Japan right uh, right after the release of Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, his first big name uh, was the Sonic One director. Hiro Kazu Asuhara. Uh, during this time, Cerny learned that Yuji Naka had quit Sonic Team, and he decided to call him up and persuade him to move to America, where he promised a better salary, more executive power. So Yuji Naka was back in America. Um, the wow. team's first uh, game, uh, I'm assuming this is before Yuji Naka, because it was just, I think, uh, an American-made game. Was in 1992 was uh, it, the Kid Chameleon. I think they did one more before this one though. Uh, so there's notes are wrong. The ooze. I think they did. The, I think no. I think they did that mo- uh, a licensed one. The one that you like. The one with the top, the hat, the gun. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember the name, but I can't. The gangster one. Dick Tracy. Dick Tate, yeah, Dick, Dick Tracy. Didn't they do Dick Tracy? They might have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Anyway. They co-developed uh, Kid Chameleon, but this was before the arrival of Naka and other Japanese developers. Cerny was sure Sega would give them, uh, give the team the project to create Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which I don't know why he just assumed that. He's like, I stole your guys' talent, that would let us do Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Uh, Cerny thought it was <laughs> obvious, since at this point he had three of the main developers of the first game, including artist and Sonic creator Naoto Oshima. Oshima. And you think that the creators of a massive franchise like Sonic would love to make a sequel right away. But according to Kearney, this is so Sonic, but Sonic Team, by the way. I'd managed to reunite two of the three key Sonic Team members at my Sega Technical Institute. They were ready to start work on their next project. And so I asked marketing the obvious question, would you like another Sonic? Bizarrely, the response was, and again, I kid you not, no, it's much too soon. So we found another game to make. And in November, as we were getting uh, started, marketing came back and said, oops, we do need that game and we need it now. So the team lost two months out of the 11th month schedule. So they made this game in like basically nine months because they were like, now let's go work on something else, which kind of reminds it. Yeah, it has now become a meme that Sonic team with the old members always wanted to move on from Sonic, which had them working on original IPs that never got to the same amount of success as Sonic the Hedgehog. Why do you think these creators wanted to work on new projects? Honestly, I think it's because within Sega, at least, 
more often than not, games would release, they'd do all right, and then people would move on. It's not like uh, Yu Suzuki was making outruns for the rest of his career. That's true. Um, and so I think Sonic was a unique thing that it, it was a blessing and a curse for um, Yuji Naka and his team because it's like they really wanted to make that mascot platformer. And once they made it, they were like, all right... We we had our success. Let's move on. Do something fun and new, just like all those other guys on uh, in Sega development is doing. And they're like, no, no, no. You make Sonic Two now. You're the Sonic guys. Yeah. And I don't think they liked that. I think they felt like because they had this kind of rock star status, they should be allowed to now venture out and make new things. And I have to wonder if you know we got stuff like Rise Star and um, Knights and things like that as sort of like a give and take where Sega upper management was like, all right, you make the big games, but, you know, we'll let you make the weirdo games. <laughs> like, because honestly, I, you know, Billy Hatcher, for example, I don't see that as a game that Sega was really wanting to make. Mm-mm. I feel like that was a passion project for Sonic Team. For sure. And then Sega just markets it as well as they can. Because, like, wh- what is the point of making Billy Hatcher? Like in the grand scheme of when things, you, yeah, it was just it was such a weird thing, and so I really feel like Sonic Team had a lot more control to make those games that they wanted to make, but the uh, trade off was they had to keep making the Sonic games. That's my uh, guess. I don't think. That, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just us speculating. Uh, I also think that you're right about them wanting, like the way other studios work, the way you mentioned it, because I remember vividly reading a Dreamcast interview where, or maybe it was a Sega Vision interview where it was yuji naka and yuzuzuki and they were talking about and they were talking about you and you said he uh uses uh yuji naka said he called himself you too because he wanted to be the yuzuzuki number two and yuzuzuki does not just oh. work on the same franchise all the time yuzuzuki works on whatever he wants yuzuzuki wants to you know back in the day when he was the rock star of sega he wanted to come in he wanted to do yeah. something brand new crazy sega would just go all right whatever you say you and uh, he made fighting games, he made racing games, he made playing games. It didn't matter. So I think he was maybe wanting to be like that, where everything he released was just gold, you know? Right. And, you know, when Naka founded Prope years later, it was like he was doing that, but with no budget. Because mm-hmm. you look at the, the library of games from Prope, and it was like weird iPhone games, but each one was very different. Um Lots of experimental stuff, but nothing that really stuck. We need to do, and I kind of feel I want to do an episode on Let's Tap. Like that, that game is so we, crazy. We yeah. will. No, I think we should do a whole thing on yeah. Probe, but um, not to go down the Probe rabbit yeah. hole. But I just I feel like that's where Naka's career led, and I'm so happy for where he is now because I feel like at Square um, SquareSoft or Square Enix, he has a lot more budget to actually try to make what he wants to make. So. So uh, (laughs) one of the new elements the team decided on was that they wanted a new main character to be introduced. And since Yuji Naka's conditions for working on Sonic 2 was that they would have a two-player mode, which was a feature he wanted in the first game, but they didn't have time to implement. Uh, The competition within Sonic Team and STI got started. I I think it's just STI, to be honest. Got started to design a new character for the franchise. Uh, frankly, I'd love to see all the characters they made, but I don't, I, I couldn't find it online, but we do know about one entry by this, uh, Spyro designer, uh, Craig Stitt. He said he made a flying turtle called Boomer, which 
you actually came <laughs> back and talked about how they used it in the comic book on Archie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Rotor the Walrus's original name was Boomer. Yeah. And that cartoon and the comics were being developed at around the time of Sonic 2. So, you know, it could have been a, a name they threw at them. Um, and uh, what would you think if Sonic's friend was a flying turtle named Boomer going with the exact opposite of Sonic the Hedgehog? I would assume he would be slow, right? Surprised that more than one design had flying as a gameplay aspect? I mean, I'm telling you. I mean, because this guy flies too. Uh, Tails flies. So you think yeah. that was a mechanic they wanted from the start? I don't think a flying turtle is a bad idea. I mean, we already have, um, what is it, Gamera? <laughs> <laughs> the giant flying turtle. Yeah. So it's nothing new for Japan. But then outside of that, like a flying fox makes sense now. But back then, it's weird. I mean, you know, he's a kitsune or whatever. But still, like it, it makes sense to us now. But back then, it was bizarre. And to have a flying turtle, maybe they have him like a, in a jetpack or something, which would be kind of cool. But you consider the hard shell. He can roll into, put his head and arms and legs inside and become a ball like Sonic. So I could see it working. I don't know if it would have been as, cute. as popular as Tails yeah. is now. I mean, Tails is a cute little fox. I mean, totally different. I mean, turtles aren't as cute as uh, foxes. So, well, I mean, true. the contest was won by y Yasoshi... Yamaguchi, who uh, won with his two-tailed fox character. His original name for the character was Miles Prower, but the team liked just calling him Tails uh, to match Sonic's simple name. Yamaguchi didn't like that, uh, and he was the lead zone artist, so he snuck Miles Prower into various concept arts and in-game. Uh, that's why the name was forced <laughs> to be... Tails was supposed to be his nickname because he forced the name into the assets, and they didn't, I guess... I see. So uh, I guess in a Japan, I think it's Tails or Miles, and then or is it the other way around? One of them is Tails in one area, in one region, in the in the when you look at your health, and the other one it's uh some it's uh oh. because of the way he missed around with the assets. But yeah, um, huh. since uh, we already got to the creation of Tails, what is your opinion on the character when you first saw him, and what do you think of the character? Of the character Tails, like how he's changed over the years, his characterization, I guess. Well, I, th I think Tails really kicked off the the um, expectation that every Sonic game would have a new character. That's true. And so with Sonic 2, we had Tails, and we were like, that makes perfect sense, two-player. Sonic 3, we had Knuckles. It wasn't three-player, but still we had Knuckles. And I was always thinking as a kid, you know, the next game, Sonic 4, it's going to have another character. Um, didn't get that, but Chaotix, of course, had a ton of characters, which I think was kind of a waste of, like, waste of resources to like throw f like three or four new characters yeah. into one game on the 32x. Um, and now, you know, it, it's become kind of a meme to to make fun of Sonic's friends. But I've always liked Sonic's friends, especially when they bring a new power to the table. I think that was the whole gimmick for me is that. You know, Tails can fly, Sonic can run, Knuckles can glide. Um, and I think if you stick to that, it works really well. That's why I like the Chaotix characters. That's why I like Amy Rose, at least in um, the Advance games. Uh, as far as Tails as a character, I like that they really pushed his mechanic side more. I think that was really cool. Um, 
He wasn't really a mechanic in those early years, though. I'm I'm trying to think. He was a genius. He was smart. Yeah. Um, he, I think they gave him the whole, like... I, oh, I mean, I don't think they did it specifically on this, but, I mean, later on, he's been basically the Sonic's robotic, in a way, even though he doesn't really make that many gadgets. and Like, he's not making gadgets within right. the game, which I think would be pretty cool, like... Uh, you know when you win on Sonic Generations and then you go into the shop and then you just put your points into something to give you like an extra boost or whatever? Um, they should have just made it be right. uh, like uh, Tails Workshop and making you gadgets instead. I mean, like little things yeah. like that. He really, the only real gadgets I can think of off the top of my head are is he would make new tornadoes, <laughs> the, the biplane, Which... and he would um, build a lot of things in the Sonic Boom um cartoon side series branch whatever you call it yeah and um yeah outside of that oh and he has that little viewer yeah that he carries around with him that he had in the sonic movie so you know he he is tinkering but it's not like he's building robots too much and um he being being like being like that that would be cool though i will say i'd love to see a sonic game where tails is the villain and eggman is your sidekick, and it's like an alternate reality where Sonic enters and Tails Dude, is creating evil robots. I don't want to get too into it, but when I saw that Ratchet game and they're doing that multiverse, I was like, "This is something Sonic Team should have done a long time ago." Where you like every level is a bizarre yeah. multiverse where it's like a weird team up. Like I think with a lot of Easter eggs and stuff, fans would eat it up. But um, that'd be awesome. Um, at the start of oh, I, I was going to say before we get into tales. I mean, we're going to talk about it later. I'll, I'll mention it there. But at the start of production, STI yeah, yeah. wanted the game to have eighteen huge sprawling zones, while revisiting ideas created in the first Sonic game, but also take uh, taking traditional platforming uh, cliches like snow and desert stages and giving them their own twist. The first stages C- STI worked on included Emerald Hill, Hilltop. Uh, oil Ocean, Hidden Palace, Sand Shower, and the never officially titled Winter Zone. As you can see, three of these levels never made it in the final game. Uh, I mean, can you guess which ones? I mean, I mean, they're pretty obvious: Hidden Palace, Sand Shower, <laughs> and uh, Winter Zone. But yeah, right. In the official game, we got eleven zones, uh, which if you include Death Egg, which is just kind of like a boss battle. Uh, so they were kind of short, right? Uh, what would what would Kidberry think of having a eighteen level Sonic Two masterpiece? Like, can you imagine like having seven more zones? Yeah. Like, how long that would take for you to finally get to the end? I mean, you got to understand all the trial and you know, error you did growing up. No save state. With with well, without a save state, I think I probably would have been like, "Wow, this game's insanely <laughs> long," and I probably would not have seen those other stages unless I used Game Genie. Mm. Or like um, uh, our Patreon, Daniel said he used the uh, debug mode. So I would have experienced them. I don't know if I would have played the game all the way through all that much. Honestly, I think, you know, going back to me saying I have no negatives about Sonic 2, I think it's the perfect number of zones because it's more than you'd expect, but it's less than overwhelming. if that what, what's sense. your opinion on like people that say, oh, if you buy a Mario game, you get like a thousand zones, you know, like I don't know how many zones. I mean, I don't know how many levels they have in their games. Right. I, I personally think they're totally different games. I don't know why there's a comparison there. I remember that being a thing, though, when I was growing up where the people were like, 
Right. Sonic's like eight levels, dude. And like uh, Mario has like a billion. I feel like for me, Mario has always been like obstacle courses mm. that are very easy. I mean, I know they put a lot of le- time into the level design, but it's very easy to construct and and build a lot of them, like a puzzle game almost. Whereas with Sonic, especially once you get into Sonic 2 and Sonic 3, they're worlds that they're creating. You know, you have these, um, like these airships, they have these, uh, just these transitions it just it really feels like they're building a world that you're supposed to uh, experience rather than being like, all right, here we are. It's uh, Emerald Hill Act Seven, <laughs> and it r- lasts for like one minute, you know, and then you move on to the next one, and it's like a scrolling stage. Like that's Mario to me. Mario is like a workout, yeah. and you're getting all these little obstacle courses to go through. And and some of those later Mario games really pushed that because they were like. You were just going through level after level after level, collecting all these coins. But with Sonic, it's always been about keeping it lean, um, focusing really on uh, not only the one route through, but again, with Sonic games, it had two or three routes. So you might be getting one act of one zone, but within that act, you're probably getting two or three stages worth of content. And that's what I love about Sonic one and two and the other ones as well and i have the book here and i love just the maps like look at that yeah the it's basically that's insane yeah it's can you imagine someone sitting there going like okay we got to change this little part they could have broken down those levels into little obstacle courses slowed down sonic and then made it just a typical platformer kind of like what everybody tried to copy at the time from nintendo i think sonic team was going for something totally different like sonic is not mario right blazes through these stages like they're nothing and i think right and that's why games like sonic lost world fall flat to me because they feel like mario obstacle courses so i'll play the game once and then i'm like i feel like i got my fill i don't need to replay sonic lost world or or sonic forces because you know people will freak out i'll watch a video of sonic forces and go oh my god there's another route through this stage and the other route is like going underground for five seconds and then coming up like that's it so, let's let's move um, on to the pro- first yeah, prototype. First prototype we're talking about. Basically, I only Here I don't want are. to talk about too many about the prototypes. We'll talk about the Nick Arcade one though, because during early development, Sega really wanted to promote the title, and we're tired of only having screenshots to show the press. At this time, Sega of America had gotten in touch with Nickelodeon to put a special version of Sonic Two for their game show called Nick Arcade. Um, this version of Sonic 2 is called the Nick Arcade Prototype within uh, within the community and was eventually leaked online. Well, not leaked online because somebody bought it and to put it online in 2006. <laughs> While this early version of Sonic 2 only had an untitled Emerald Hill zone to show off, if you entered the level select code, you could access five different zones. This was so early that it actually used Sonic 1 music. The Nick Arcade prototype sold to an online user, DRX, in uh, in cart form for one thousand five hundred, which I think is uh, he underpaid for that. These funds were were raised by the community uh, so they could put the ROM publicly. I'm sure. I'm assuming he owns the cartridge. Obviously, um, I mean, I wouldn't right. give that back. Um, what are your thoughts on Sega of America wanting to starting like to start advertising the game as early as possible? And did you ever watch Nick Arcade growing up? 
and that's Melissa <laughs> Jones Hart Hart in the image. Uh, she before she was Sabrina. Yes. I don't know if you guys watched. Not the Sabrina on Netflix. The Sabrina on ABC Family. I guess that's ABC. That's what it was called, right? She her name's Clarissa, Clarissa. George, and she'll explain it oh, all. That show too. No, I was. I was a huge Nick Arcade and Clarissa Explains It All viewer. Oh. Um, I did not catch this specific episode, but I loved Nick Arcade. I loved like getting little previews of games. I loved when they... I think this was the show, too, that would throw kids into that green screen. Mm. And they're like, touch the, touch the block. And they're like looking at the TV screen off to the side and never getting it right. Um but I, I thought this was a great idea. It was just a shame. I think they should have rigged it. I think they should have got Melissa to play the game before. To really show it off. Just to get her, or at least give her Sonic yeah. 1 in I the mean, green room. And be like, play this game for 10 minutes. Just get a sense of it. Because we want this game to look good once. We're going to have you play a different one. So we're not cheating. But this is just to acclimate you to the rules of Sonic 2. Because what really hurts watching this video is that she does not know how to yeah. play the game and does not do a great job showing up. But look at her in that screenshot. She's like looking at Chemical Plant Zone just Oof. like in She's awe. She's like looking at it. Like, I, I wish play I wish this. any woman would look at me like that. Um, like, wow, that's Chemical Plant. Apparently... Sorry, go on. <laughs> the, the, the cartridge for this, uh, there's pictures of it on HiddenPalace.org. Yeah. It had the holographic which, label. Uh, which Al and... Nielsen actually posted that he has a whole roll of... All right. You want one. And I you will say to... this, and I know Al's not listening. We just talked, we interviewed him, and then like shortly thereafter, he was like, look at this roll of stickers. And I was like, dude, clip them off and just give them to like the 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 big boys of the, the Sonic fan community. You like, just want one. Yo, yo boy, Barry yeah, yeah, George. Yeah, of course. I, 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 I want one. Dude, you're sitting on this roll. He's give sitting it. on gold. I He's sitting one. on eBay gold right there. He doesn't even follow us on Twitter. I don't know if he unfollowed us because I asked him a stupid question about. <laughs> maybe, maybe got upset. Anyway. anyway, did you ever play the prototype? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't play prototypes personally. No, I really want. Not only do I want to play it now, but I want like a fan made version of it to have on my shelf, just because it's so wacky. Just uh, call call DRX it. and tell him you'll give him five thousand dollars for it. <laughs> okay. okay, so. As STI closed into fall 1992, they had to create a finished product, and at this time, some of the zones they had worked on were scrapped, while others were converted to third acts, such as the once-named Genocide City Zone. In the end, Sega Japan flew 13 additional Japanese staff members to San Francisco to iron out issues with the game, such as the title screen kept changing days before the game was certified. Part I think the the final screen is awesome, so thankfully they did this. Um, part of these last minute yeah. changes kept happening, so the credit screen uh, they basically forgot to uh, uh, credit everyone that worked in the game uh, in the end of the game. So are you surprised about that? Not really, because this is notorious Sega. What is your opinion and how right. loose video game companies were giving out credits to developers? Do you think? If you worked on something for Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and it was cut, that you deserve credit for working on Sonic the Hedgehog 2? Absolutely. And I think it was really shitty of video game companies, um, even from the 70s onward, to just like not credit game designers. I think actually Atari 
employees really pushed hard and that's why you look at old Atari manuals or cartridges and they'll put the name of the designer on it because I think people at least in America had a little more say and they're like hey I made Pitfall put my damn name on the game because I'm going to leave and work for someone else if you don't yeah. and I think it's unfortunate because in Japan they did not do that if anything they kept people off the credits because they didn't want them to get sniped from other companies and I think that's really crappy because it's like these guys are working for you. They're putting in the time. Give them the credit. This is like the 80s, and we have movies and cartoons coming out with full credits at the uh, end. What I gives? agree with you. It's so crappy. It no, yeah, I off. agree with you. If somebody's giving por- a portion of their life to work on a product that you're going to be making a lot of profit off of, it's not just like, oh, I paid you. That's good enough. No, no, you're going to have to credit these people because these people have to get jobs after this works out. Like... Like, obviously, STI, like, closed, right? Uh, they have to find jobs. Right. How do they find jobs when you never credited them for their work? Or even said they were on the best... Like, a lot of these people were credited on Sonic right. Spinball. But Sonic Spinball is not Sonic 2. Totally big difference. But anyway. Uh, right. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is one of those games that every few years we find out something completely new and interesting about its development. And that happened again with Yasuhora... Hara. Uh, Sonic 2's 2's planner detailed some early stages of development about the game. Uh, Basically, the game, game, he did a presentation in Digital Dragons in 2017, talking about how he planned to have Sonic's story incorporating time-traveling mechanics, a feature the public never heard about and is a bit different than the way it was incorporated in Sonic CD. In this version, it would seem that the time zones would become more linear instead of having optional paths with new levels and changes to the in-game world as the game goes on. So basically you would have to go back into into time, something screws up, go all the way back, and then go forward, and then go back to the present. So it wasn't, it was just like a linear story. And then the... It's like Turtles in Time. And that's what I put in the notes, actually, that I think they were inspired by uh, Turtles in Time. Because it came out in 1991, March 1991, in arcades. So, And I couldn't find any other game that really did, or at least Japanese game, that did a lot of time traveling. That wasn't like Dragon Quest. But I feel like they would probably be more influenced by the success of TMNT, Turtles in Time. Because... There's a well. You, you can see here the, there's an image. If you're watching the video, basically it says he would go from present time to medieval times, because uh, uh, Eggman escapes on a on a time machine, and then present time is ruined. Sonic travels back to ancient time, activating hidden shrine, traveling back to the ancient time future. The future is changed again. Then there's a last battle in space. He also released these like hmm. images where it shows you. I I don't know if you. I didn't put them on the notes, but it's basically the zone, kind of like Mario when you do level select, and it's the island where Sonic lives. And there's a now where it has Green Hill Zone, Ocean Wind Zone. I don't want to get into this too much because I think this is something we should talk about with Sonic CD more. But he also they they already had everything mapped out on how the city would change. Like there was a there's a future city. They changed it. So that's interesting. Um, So what do you think of STI's bold vision for Sonic 2 having time-traveling mechanics? Uh, And like I said, uh, TMNT is something that they were obviously influenced by. But uh, (laughs) what do you think? Do you think it would have worked? Or do you think that time travel should have probably stuck, like, not have been the sequel thing? I... 
I love the idea, but I'm glad they didn't go with it. I think it's just overly complicating a sequel because Sonic 1 was so simple. Sonic 2 was equally simple. It added a bit more, though, with the spin dash, brand new levels, tails, and I think that's good. You don't need to overly complicate the sequel, and I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad Sonic CD became that time travel game. Yeah. And it was more of a, like a test <laughs> on, um, or like a spin-off or something, like a side game, um, rather than really putting all the emphasis on your big title. I don't think it, like Boomer the Turtle and Sonic time traveling, I um, I don't know. I like the idea of time traveling, but I think you need um, a lot more, a lot more explaining for some of the users that would be playing it to be like, you're going to ancient this and going here and going there. I feel like this would have been perfect for like a Sonic Adventure game where you have more voicing, more explaining, more, I guess, I, ways to explain what's happening on screen. Because I, I, like you said, like the, right. the transitions, how many... The transitions in Sonic games are so short, right? Because you don't have enough time. Imagine how many transitions you would have to make to make this whole plot work out um, a lot more than just a simple go catch Eggman plot. So I, maybe right. not during this time, but I, I do like the idea of like may, not time traveling, but a multiverse thing, like I told you, which is kind of you know kind of the same. So um, I think it's yeah. time to move on and take a little break from development which we will have to get back to in some other aspects when we talk about parts of this uh, game. But first, let's talk about the characters in the game. First, we got Sonic, and uh, Sonic's big return is a lot of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The sprite actually is a little changed. It has a little more detail. They changed the color of blue to pop more. Um, on the screen, we have yeah. the Sonic 1 sprite and the Sonic 2 one. I think the biggest change for the Sonic sprite came in Sonic 3, but uh, they added a little shine yeah. to Sonic. I think this is something they went a little overboard over the years where they're like, let's polish up yeah. Sonic. He's shinier than ever this time around. But uh, what do you think about the changes to the sprite and I guess the artwork they re they did? Um, I think Sonic looks like Sonic. I don't think they needed to change him. He was already iconic. I'm glad they didn't add like a scarf or like a cape or something cool to try to make him look a little, or sunglasses or something dumb. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. No, I, I think they did a good job. I like the, I prefer the proportions um, in the Japanese art of Sonic, though I've never liked that one image of him crossing his arms with his finger up because like something about the face looks wrong. His nose looks a little too pointy. Something's wrong with his eyes. Like the shape's just kind of... Oh, yeah kind of off to me um but outside of that i i think it was by and large a improvement um i you know i said i didn't have any complaints about sonic 2 but i guess looking at this comparison i don't like that little glare under his ear it looks like a pimple or something i'm not like he has i think it's supposed to be the shine um, from the sun i think yeah yeah just it's i don't know i don't know if it's necessary but i do like the blue that pops a lot more um and this is the logo too you have the logo there uh, yeah well, the two look... That's unchanged, it looks pretty like. Much, uh, this is, uh, I think, a fan-made comparison, so I'm, I, didn't, I didn't make the oh, logo. okay. I just took it from another uh, a GIF. Um, next, we have Miles, Tails, Prower. We, the debut of Sonic's best friend. Uh, Tails was interested... Mm -hmm. It was an interesting addition to the game that really should have been in from day one, according to me. I think Tails has been one of the most consistent characters in overall look. 
but really forgot how cute he was in this title. I mean, look at his sprite, dude. <laughs> like, goddamn, that's adorable. That's an adorable little fox. Right. Little baby tails. This is the also the first appearance right. of uh Tails Tornado Plane, which uh yeah, so but I mean, obviously the tornado isn't going to be first, right? Or is it? Was he in one? Well, the tornado is the weird thing is the tornado is Sonic's plane. So, so it's not even Tails' but plane, Tails, but he just like borrows it. But yeah, but Tails takes such a liking to it or flies it so much in the game that Sonic Team I think was like, well, he's like a mechanic, and I think that's where it came from. I think they put Tails in Sonic's plane so much that they were like, well, let's give Tails an interest in fixing planes, and that's where the mechanic um, side to him came. I, I think, too, this is the point I think I'll bring this up, to in the show, is that there was obviously a time before Tails, but it was very brief. And so when you look at other multimedia, like uh, comics, cartoons, things like that, there's very little, like... Um, uh, stories written about Sonic Solo. Mm. And yeah. you know what I mean? So, like, I'm trying to rack my brain here. There's, like, a comic that, like, was very short that actually acts as the um, setup for the UK Sonic comic. But over here, it was just, like, a promotional comic. That was Sonic and Robotnik, and that was it. Um, and then there was the Sonic CD intro. But that's about... Entails even appears in the... Um, at one point in that game, mm-hmm. doesn't he? So it's like there's a there's very little that exists. Um, I'm not talking about merch. I'm talking about like like comics and cartoons and things like that. Like that Tails is not a part of, and so that's why I think Tails really kicked the series off proper um, in terms of being a multimedia franchise because you finally, finally, finally had. A friend for Sonic, and that's where it clicked with. I think the cartoon makers and the comic makers, they were like, "We we now it's like a buddy. Yeah, it's like Batman for Sonic, Robin. and we we can finally write stories." Yeah, exactly. Like I I'm glad they never did a cartoon or a comic series without Tails, because I just I can't imagine what you would do. Sonic would talk to himself constantly. Or the creators would have to create someone, and we would have like someone before Ugh. Tails, just for the sake of. And I mean, we did have the Freedom Fighters who came out shortly after Tails, so that's not nothing. Um, but it it just is very interesting that Sonic really moved into multimedia. I think because of Tails, because they finally had someone for him to bounce off of, and. That's why Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog is one of my favorite Sonic cartoons, and we'll talk about that a bunch pretty soon. Mm, so I'm I'm, I'm wondering on. if I uh, oh yeah we're talking about Eggman next. In Japan, our boy was still called Eggman, which is the official name that Sega goes by now. Uh, but in America, we kept the name Robotnik mm-hmm. intact and has stayed the same as the previous game, obviously. Though it does seem that the team took the time to redesign Eggman's mobile vehicles, uh, where I like to call it a mobile scooter vehicle. It's like, you know, those things at Walmart, <laughs> but it's the Eggman version of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a floating one. And I gotcha. even this really cool concept art reminds me of a Dragon Ball Z. Uh, like, you know, when they do those promo images for Dragon Ball when they're like riding a bike or driving a car. This is kind of what it reminds yeah, me of. Yeah, I've got a whole book of them yeah, back here. Yeah, that's what yeah. this reminds me of, their their art for the little 
biplane or whatever that thing is. He rides it the whole time. He doesn't yeah, even yeah. like walk that much. Like when he capsule corp, he, yeah, right? capsule corp. So it looks like it's a capsule corp uh, vehicle. But it's funny because every time yeah. I see him come out of it, it's really weird. I, and I also thought that his sprite, which I don't have on screen, but I thought his, he looked like he had a big old head. But then if you look at it closely, it's just a little <laughs> head with a big mustache. I don't know. It just confused me as a kid. Oh, I don't know. Okay. It, it's just weird. But let's talk about the next character in the thing. Uh, I could not find too much uh, artwork, official artwork from this period of Mechasonic. So here's Mechasonic. <clears throat> so once right. you get to Death Egg Zone... You will find a new enemy that looks familiar. Mechasonic, not Metal Sonic. Which, dude, one time I did a story and I accidentally called Mechasonic Metal Sonic. And people called me, a, they called me really bad words. But it's a very touchy subject with fans, Sonic fans. <laughs> this would be the first time we get a making a robot Sonic plot. Sadly, the character of Mechasonic, Mechasonic never took off since Metal Sonic was used a lot more in the future by Sonic Team. Here we have his little design. Right. I actually kind of like his design. I like the that he looks like he's wearing this like iron suit. Kind of, it's kind of strange. It reminds me of like Iron Man when he made that suit to beat up the Hulk, the Hulk Buster. And that's right. what it kind of reminds me of, and it looks really intimidating. Like his eyes are all black with a little white. Very very cool design. I thought. What do you think about Mecha Sonic? <clears throat> yeah, I always thought he looked really cool. I wish. Like, I like that he was all silver. Um, I think at the time, some people would call him Silver yeah, Sonic. Sonic Retro calls him that. And, <laughs> I mean, they have it as the name. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember in the in the cartoon, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, and in the comics, there was Pseudo Sonic, who was modeled after this, because obviously those things were developed before Metal Sonic. I Maybe I'm wrong. But it it much more resembled this, where it was just like a kind of a big, bulky robot Sonic rather than the more stylized uh, Metal Sonic that we know now. And I think it's a real shame that they have not made more like merch of this guy. He's cool yeah. looking. Like, why not? I, I have no idea what happened within Sonic. Maybe they just thought Metal Sonic was a cooler name than Mechasonic. I, I, to be honest with you, I'd be down right. to have a full game of Sonic where all the bad guys are Mecha versions of Sonic's friends and then you have to beat them throughout. Oh, no. But then, George, they're just going to be in the cutscenes and then they're not yeah. actually oh, yeah. bosses. You're right. You They'll be holograph. They'll be holograms, yeah. Right. Um, the next character we're talking about is a little boy called Supersonic. Um, if you get all six, right? Six Chaos Emeralds or use a cheat. Um, seven, seven, right? Okay, then. I changed it. Seven in this, six in the last okay, one. Okay, something right? like that. Yeah. Okay, seven. You can turn in Sonic into Supersonic, which was introduced in this game. In, in the first game, if you went and got them all, you got a slightly altered ending. While the sequel surprised you with a lot more, a new form of Sonic. This became a staple for the franchise and is basically in almost every single Sonic game since then. Uh, for the most part, yeah. uh, this character was created as a joke from the anime series Dragon Ball, which aired in Japan in summer 1991. Um, at least the, the Frieza saga. Which had the main character Goku turn Super Saiyan, including green eyes, which was obviously changed in the modern redesign. Sonic also has green eyes. Um, what is your yeah. 
first thought when you unlocked Supersonic and saw him? And did you? I mean, we obviously never made the comparison to Dragon Ball because Dragon Ball wasn't here in the West until like maybe two thousand. Right. So, uh, what is your opinion on him? Yeah, it was just awesome to see at the time. I I don't know if I earned him or if I more likely used Game Genie or something to unlock him, but it was like. It was a super-powered Sonic. He could jump higher, run faster. It was just the countdown timer with the rings was the only thing that really bothered yeah. me. And that's why I'd do like um, the debug mode and I would just create a bunch of item boxes and have like Supersonic for like five minutes or something like that. But um, it's something I wish they carried forward more in the games instead of just using it as a plot device mm. later on. Like, like an actual playable I, I think it's mode. a shame... Yeah, I, I that's why I thought Sonic Colors, it was just so awesome to finally have Super Sonic playable. And it's it's a real shame they did not carry that forward, especially with Sonic Forces. Like, I mean, I know. I, I have no idea, dude. Maybe time ran out. But I have to agree with you 100%. Maybe. This was like the hugest surprise in this game to me when I... It's like playing God Mode, basically. Going from Sonic and this, and you're like, well, Sonic can't be better. And then he turns into Super Saiyan Sonic, and you're like, whoa. Like, never mind. I was wrong. Yeah. Um, next, we're talking about baddies. We're not going to be talking about one specifically. Yes. But one of my favorite aspects of Sonic the Hedgehog classic games are the cool little robots they appear throughout the game. As a regular little bad guy, uh, like the little bad guys that scattered the levels. The team at the time really took their time with these designs and didn't just make them generic robots. They felt like they had personality. Oddly enough, all the bad guys in these games mm -hmm. are all new. Even the ones that look like they were from the first game actually got redesigned. Sonic 2 uses 20 di 23 different enemy types upon release, while the first one only had 14. No, that's it. What do you have to say about the baddies? And which ones are your favorites? There's so many. I like the grabber, um, which is kind of like... It's so weird that he just grabs you, hugs you, blows up, and then that's it. Yeah. No, I love all the badniks in the game. Um, I, for the longest time as a kid, I like wanted little action figures of them and stuff. And it wasn't until like the 20th anniversary that they finally gave us... I think it was um, Grabber... Got a little figure, and someone else did. And then later on, they did these kid robot figures, and I bought all the uh, all the bad badniks that they made. There was um, Octus, and I think Coconuts. They're so cool looking. I love the design. Coconuts of them. is honestly, really cute. if they're gonna do another, <laughs> I said Coconuts is really cute. Like there's some of these that are like, I don't want to hurt, hurt this person. Oh yeah, poor robot. I my one complaint. I always wished Clucker would come out of his gun and like oh, yeah. fight you. I wanted to see what his whole body looked like. But um, Grabber, I think, is my personal favorite. I just, I love the mechanic of him because it does this, like, little grab yeah. and then it counts down and you have to, like, push, 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 push. I don't think I've ever, without it being intentional, like, gotten killed by him because it is very easy to get out of his trap. But um, Grounder's fun. I like when he busts out, like, Kool-Aid yeah. Man. Um, they're all great. Slicer's... I think my least favorite because he's so cheap. Like you're going up a hill and then it's like, boop. And gotcha. uh, something that uh. <laughs> like, this is something that they kind of stopped doing in the new games is actually having bad guys like this. What do you, and even the Sonic movie didn't have it. They were like generic, like yeah. modern Sonic robots. Do you think this is like outdated yeah. or do you think that it's probably something Sonic should think about? Like, 
designing characters for their actual bad guys that you fight randomly. I honestly, like in, in the case of modern games and the Sonic movie, it's just pure laziness, I think. Um, these are some of the defining elements of the series that I think has gotten lost over the years. That's why, again, Sonic Colors got so much praise from fans because they finally brought back the like animal-inspired, or um, I guess some of them aren't, like Spiker's not an animal, um, but the very animalistic badniks that they had and it always felt like it was a theme up until all of a sudden like like uh, what was it sonic adventure 2 no they were animals in 2 i guess oh six wasn't it that's when they really just kind of like heroes heroes was it because in heroes they had eggman robots and they were just boring little egg ponds and from there they were like we just do this we don't need to be creative anymore, um, which is a real shame. And I'm really hoping that when they do the Sonic movie sequel, we get to see some of these guys return. That, that would, would be, be awesome. Like if when you go to Sonic's world, they're the bad guys. That'd be sick. Um, like he makes these robots yeah. that are way more personalized. Um, <clears throat> let's mm-hmm. talk about the stages. Okay, because um, okay. one of the major complaints from people of the first Sonic game was that it only had eight zones or eight stages. That's counting the special stage. Ooh. While Sonic 2 had 12, including the special stage, like we uh, stated before, they wanted 18. One thing that I will say is that each zone in this game does offer a unique gameplay aspect. Uh, much more creative. It's, cre- uh, the cre- it's way more creative, those, these levels, than they were in the first one. Um, I will say that when you mm-hmm. we talked about uh, the comparisons between Mario and this... I think the stage gimmicks, even though people made fun of it in Sonic Mania, I don't know why, are integral to like the gameplay of Sonic. Sonic plays very simply. You move, you press one button, and he jumps, and then you press down, and he does the speed thing. He's not changing. His mechanics are the same. The things that change are the levels. The levels add these like uh, new gameplay elements that actually change up the gameplay. So the first one we're talking about is right. Emerald Hill Zone. One thing STI wanted to do was also have it feels it feels like Sonic Two took place in the first game, and this meant a new Green Hill Zone, which uh, Emerald Hill did the fulfilling for, it, which is a tropical themed, uh, you know, level that became a thing obviously for Sonic's yeah. future. Uh, I mean, I don't have much to say about Emerald Hill. It's cool. It's a way more detailed than Green Hill Zone in the first game. It looks great. If you look right. in the background, those mountains, uh, you actually travel to those mountains, and it's one of the stages we'll talk about later. Uh, it's actually Hilltop Zone right there in the background. <clears throat> so okay. uh, what do you think about this stage? Anything to say? Um, no, I just, it's a it's a very memorable stage. It's like Green Hill Zone 2.0. It has a lot of cool little features. I love the... Uh, it, I wouldn't call it a half. It's like the twirling little spiral uh, section. I think that's really cool. Um, I have no complaints. I'm a big fan of the uh, the trope. I am yeah, not a hater. Yeah, same here. It's like one of the nicest looking, like, you know, tropical. It's bright. It's colorful. It's It should always be the first one because it's uh, very eye-popping. I mean, that's the reason Green Hill Zone is so memorable. Well, that and Sonic, and Sonic keeps on using it, but... 
Next is Chemical Plant Zone, and I would assume this is the second most popular level in Sonic history, which has been reused uh, lately a lot. Uh, while Emerald Hill was a callback to Green Hill from the first game, the second stage is where we see an all-new looking stage from the sequel, the amazing-looking Chemical Plant Zone, uh, which is the only second to uh, Green Hill Zone in terms of popularity being resurrected in Sonic Generation, Sonic Mania, and Sonic Forces. This is also the first time we get the infamous speed boosters in a Sonic game. What are your thoughts on the speed booster gimmick? Because when I first played this game and I hit the speed boost, I was like, whoa, 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 chill, dude. I, I, it, it blew yeah. my mind, dude. It was so fast. Like the camera couldn't keep up. I, <laughs> I love Chemical Plant Zone. It is my number one favorite zone. I play it all the time. Every time I play Sonic 2, even if I'm just playing... For a few minutes, I always at least have to play up to Chemical Plant Zone to experience it. I have no problem with Sonic Generations doing it. I have no problem with Sonic Mania because they did such a cool new spin on it. Sonic Forces, mm. I actually thought that was kind of a highlight for me, was returning to Chemical Plant. Um, but yeah, I and the speed boosters, like you got to remember at the time, this was the first time you were encountering something like this. So it was just awesome to be like playing as Sonic and suddenly just shot, propelled forward, unlike those cheap springs from the first game that, you know, would just kind of send boink. a boing. Yeah. Go like that. These things, you hit him and you go, boom, you know, it was just really cool. Zone. Next, we got Aquatic Ruin Zone. Uh, this is our Ancient Ruins theme stage for Sonic 2, which is a bit strange since it comes right off, like right after Chemical Plant Zone. But in the early yeah. prototype, this was supposed to be the first stage, which would have been kind of weird. In early concepts, the zone was titled Neo Green Hill Zone, which uh, was a zone name that was reused later for the Sonic Advance series. Um, mm -hmm. This has water, which everybody hates. Nobody likes water in Sonic games. Uh, I think it looks beautiful and it looks a lot better than the other uh, ancient ruins from the first game. I forgot what the stage was called. Yeah. Um, Marble Zone? Yeah. I think so, yeah. And I like the way they did the little, like, the... If you play it with scan lines, man, the, the waterfalls look beautiful in this, in this level. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's I like the music. I don't like the level too much, but I, I appreciate the art for it. You? Yeah, it's a very beautiful stage. It's a very mysterious and almost kind of somber stage. Um, it's not my favorite one, but then again, considering I love so much of this game, like, that's like saying like not too much yeah um i i there's a lot to explore though you have those um creepy badniks that kind of chase you down and then you have um grounder smashing his way like i said like kool-aid man so there's little bursts of uh, excitement it's got the arrows which i always liked um you know so yeah all in all i really don't have much to say i don't replay this stage that much but i always remember i don't know if you can see it here the comic where sonic gets hit in the back of the head with the arrow <laughs> see he's like oh we did it sonic thump <laughs> and i can relate um yeah next moving on next we have hill or oh, casino uh night zone yes. which is the first time we have a casino themed stage in the sonic game which has become a staple for Sonic games, kind of, you know. It's been reused a lot. 
This was obviously uh, the team did they did an incredible job in my opinion. They have knots to pinball and even slot machines incorporated within the game. Uh, like if you played the slots and get all Eggman symbols, you lose your coins. So there's like a system that they did for the slot machine. The pinball feels cool and bouncy. Uh, mm-hmm. So they kind of implemented some gambling because if you go and like uh, go on the gambling machine, you could lose your your rings. You could get a life yeah. maybe. So they kind of implemented gambling in a way in this stage. I thought it was pretty creative. It's part of the gameplay. This is probably the most, I think, unique uh, stage in like almost any platformer because the way it incorporates it, in, the stage incorporates all this stuff. It really changes the gameplay and, my, and the mood, I think. Like the night and yeah. all that. Oh, the design's amazing in this uh, level, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's beautifully designed. The music is very catchy. And I think just looking at the game as a whole up to this point, um, you know, Chemical Plant really moves you through real fast. Aquatic Rune, it's slower, but you kind of just want to get out of there because it's a little creepy. So once you get to Casino Night Zone, it's a really nice breather in the middle of the game because, you know, I, I've played up to the max amount of time that you can play in this stage. And I'm like, oh, wait, I got to run through this. Because I just have so much fun exploring, taking the elevators, um, collecting as many uh, rings as I can. It's it's such a fun stage, and I'm I'm happy every single time that Sonic games bring back the uh, the casino setting because it's just it's it's become just as iconic to Sonic as uh, like checkerboards, you know? Yeah, for sure. And the yep. next game we have, I mean, level we have is Hilltop <laughs> Zone. This stage features lava pits and underground caverns, which were also featured in Marble Zone in the first game. Uh, but this one, I think, is more action-packed and faster. Um, you can actually see Hilltop uh, Zone in the background of Emerald Hill Zone, like I mentioned. Um yeah. This level also introduces the seesaw, which I thought was pretty impressive when I was a kid because it's like, you know, you go to the park and you play it, but it's like they programmed the physics in this game. Like I, I was impressed by it, even though I didn't really understand how, you know, what kind of work it takes. The idea that this game has a physics, like real life, yeah. was kind of weird. And this kind of like showed that off with the seesaw. They never reused the seesaw, obviously, but uh, that is here. What's your opinion on Hilltop Zone? I think it's one of those zones that kind of goes unnoticed after a while, right? After you play so many, right? Yeah. it. I was laughing because the, when you mentioned Hilltop Zone, I immediately think of the music. And it's such a funny song because it's like, da 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 And then it makes this weird creaky like, ah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it goes, like some guys like off to the corner playing like a harmonica. It's just such a funny song. Um, I, I will say Hilltop's one of the more forgettable stages just because I think design-wise it's very simplistic. It almost, it's the most prototype looking stage out of the whole game. I really think they could have pushed it more. Mm. The trees are very basic. The backgrounds are very basic. It feels like it re- it recycles a lot of assets from um, Emerald Emerald Hill yeah, Zone for sure. Yeah, and that I, and so, I think that's what makes it forgettable. I think the parts when you get to the, the lava, I think maybe they should have just yeah made it like a cavern stage where you're with lava and you're trying to escape lava instead of trying to yeah. reuse uh, you know uh, assets or whatever. You, yeah. Yeah, and it, it borrows a lot of ideas from Sonic 1's Marble Zone and um, Sonic 1's Starlight Zone. Mm. 
And so there's nothing in it that really feels super original to me outside of maybe the little like gondolas you drive, you ride on. Mm -hmm. But um, again, like a bad, the worst stages in Sonic 2 are still better than some of the best stages, you know, best (laughs) stages in any other game. Yeah, exactly. This one probably sent a lot of kids to nightmares. We're talking about Mystic Cave Zone. Next, Sonic's yes. journeys into a creepy network of mines located inside these massive caverns with moss covering everything. Uh, this level has us hanging on ivy to open doors and finding routes to get out of here. Uh, this zone is also, also has an inescapable pit of spikes in Act 2, which I obviously hated growing up. Uh, the white-haired version yeah. actually takes out the pit, and well, we'll talk about what it adds later, but... What's your opinion? I like the look of the stage. Uh, it's very dark, yeah. gloomy. The moss is cool. The way they did the eye, the eye, the little, the little, the little physics when you grab onto it and you fall down were smooth. But it's frustrating. It's so frustrating when you're a kid to get out of there. I guess they're trying to make yeah. you feel like Sonic, right? You're lost in here. So, what's your opinion? I I think this is my second favorite. No, third favorite stage out of the whole game. Um, I love the creepy music. Mm. It's so sinister and like grungy and dirty. And then you're trapped in this cave. So it, it really does feel like you're a prisoner in here. Just the way the music and, you know, we're not talking about the music for every one of these stages, but this one specifically, I feel really changes the tone. If you were to put something in here that was a little more light and angelic, you'd be like, Ooh, I'm in like a, uh, mysterious cave but here it's like no they trapped me here they want me to find my way out this is a a death trap sneaky place you know what i mean it's a very it's very sneaky like it's like you're being teased throughout the stage and i just love that um yeah and the badniks in this stage too are really cool the little lightning bugs and the guy that shoots out to get you it's fun. Then we move on to Oil Ocean Zone. This level takes place in a massive sea of oil that was dumped by our hero, Dr. Eggman, and his refineries off the <laughs> wet, the coast of West Side Island. Unlike Chemical yeah. Plant Zone and the water in Mystic Ruins, the oil in this stage has a more quicksand-like feel to it. As you sink, you could like jump out. Um, so it's kind of nice. like gooey or whatever. Uh, the level also features slippery slides, which are a callback to Labyrinth Zone in the first game. Uh, what is your opinion? Mm-hmm. I like this one because, I don't know, I mean, I didn't know anything about, well, I mean, obviously it's oil, but like, um, I didn't really think about, you know, you know, public uh, pollution, but this is pretty cool. This is one of Sega's uh, recycle and uh, don't don't trash the planet uh, <clears throat> sayings they usually put in their games. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this zone? It's... It's a fun zone, but I think it's the one that was greatly improved upon in Sonic Mania because when you combine this stage with the shield mechanics from Sonic 3 and Knuckles, it just brings out a whole new character to the stage, which is, you know, the oil is supposed to be uh, a hazard, Mm -hmm. but if you're Sonic in a flame shield, not that this is the Sonic Mania episode, but it, it completely changes the stage. And... When I go back and play this stage now, I'm I'm like expecting that, and I don't get it, <laughs> and um, and so, you know, uh, that's one area I think Sonic Mania greatly improved upon. But as is, it's it's a fun stage. I like it, and it's a good lead-in to the next to the one. Next stage. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Metropolis Zone. 
Well, Sonic 1 zones had 3 acts. Sonic 2 mostly had 2 acts per stage, but not Metropolis Zone, which had a third act. Uh, this is because uh, a previous scrap state uh, zone called Genocide City Zone uh, was, uh, they actually basically just reused what they had for the last zone. Um, so they said it looked <laughs> enough alike, so they just reused it. The level features some cool gimmicks like running on the screws to make it go up and down, uh, which is, in my opinion mm-hmm. blew my mind because the way it looks 3D, the way they, they animated it was beautiful. Uh, they did a really good job. Uh, what is your favorite aspect of Metropolis Zone and what do you think about it as the overall thing? Um, I think it was just a greatly improved Scrap Brain mm-hmm. Zone. In Scrap Brain, I didn't like being there, but in Metropolis Zone, well, it still is like a stage made to kill you. There's a lot of really fun gimmicks to play with. You mentioned the the screw. Yeah. I liked tricking Tails to stand under it so I could squish <laughs> him with it. That was always You're fun. Evil dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I love the way the the gears would move. How you could stand in them. Um, yeah, it was just it was a really fun stage and. It hasn't really, outside of maybe Sonic 4, it hasn't really come back at all, which is a shame. I think it's a cool aesthetic. All the the heavy green yeah. um, and red. I, I'm i trying to think, maybe, uh, I guess going back again to like Sonic Colors, maybe. Like Planet Wisp, when you go into the factory areas, that kind of has this that sort of Metropolis Zone sort of thing. I, I just don't think that there's been a game that's, captured the look and color of like sonic 2 the way it did like even sonic mania try like they went a whole different way with like pink like they went their own way and the ones they reused were cool but like there's some stages like this where you're like wow that color combination's uh pretty slick you know um for sure i was gonna say um the next one we have is this blew my mind for like dude you're sitting there even if you don't play sonic and you look i mean because you technically can't play this level that much because you're not moving, but yeah. like when you're a kid and you see this, like this transition, this is this is just a transition, really, the the zone. But sky chase zone, blowing every kid's mind. We get Sonic retreat to the sky and pursue Eggman on Tails' badass tornado biplane, which is Sonic's ship. Now that I know, it says Sonic on it. I should have known. This is the first zone <laughs> with a single act, which is something that will continue to happen from now on. This is also an auto-scrolling level with uh, Sonic standing on uh, Tails' plane as you jump on enemies. Some people's feelings are mixed on the use of auto-scrolling stages on Sonic levels. I think this is more of like interactive cutscene. Like, this could have yeah. been a cutscene, but they're like, let's let them punch and kick these things. It would look amazing. So I wouldn't consider it a zone. Right. I would consider it a interactive cutscene. What about you? I agree. I, I think it was really a cool move of them to make you kind of feel like a part of the story, um, making that transition from Metropolis zone to wing fortress zone. And I wish they would do this more often than the games. I think it would be really fun to have these little transitional playable segments. Um, and I always felt like the, this is a real iconic thing, Sonic tails in the sky with the biplane, Something I wish we'd see more often and something that when they do bring it back, very rarely can they execute it as well as they did in Sonic 2. Mm. Um, I think the worst execution was in Sonic Unleashed where you had to do quick time events. Mm. Um, I think the best execution, I actually will say, was 
outside of of Sonic Three and Knuckles, Sonic Four Episode Two, I I thought that was like one of the po- positives was <laughs> the way they uh, brought back that sort of um, uh, tornado thing, and we had a whole boss fight with Metal Sonic in the Metal Carrier, which I am proud to say was a name that. I was able to get out of <laughs> Sega's community managers when I was like messaging them. I'm like, what are the names of all of the villains mm. uh, uh, in the game? And they were like, uh, Metal Carrier is one of them. We'll tell you that. And I was like, oh, awesome. A scoop. So, um, you know. The next stage we have. And, uh, I mean, the, I put in the notes that it had three zones. This one, I mean, three levels, right? Did it? Yeah, right. Okay. Um, Sure. I, I don't remember. I, I'm trying to remember if it was one or three. I just don't remember. Guidebook Dep- right here. I don't know why I'm not helping you out. Depending on the path you take, the results of this stage are completely different. This is actually one of the first times I really noticed that in Sonic games, you go from being really easy to being really hard depending on what ink, what level you take. If you go on the top, you right. get mostly straight pathways. But if you go to the lower paths, you get lots of platforming that will probably result in your death. This stage also <clears throat> also has panels of the plane ripping off and Sonic being blown away where he's grabbing onto bars and letting himself go. This is kind of this is also used in chemical plant zone when you fall in the water or in the goo or whatever that pink stuff is. The mega muck. Mega they mega call it muck. Mega mech. Having him uh, holding onto a yeah, metal bars. According to Nayato Oshima, the actual map of the game is actually shaped as an aircraft. And they actually had a very hard time doing this. So if you look at the map, it actually looks like an actual uh, uh, plane, basically. Aircraft in the sky. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So uh, what do you think about Wing Fortress Zone? And uh, I think a lot of people, when I played it, uh, would die in this stage because they would want to go fast randomly. (laughs) And there's a lot of uh, platforming in this level for sure. You got to take your time. Yeah, no, I I thought this was a really fun stage. Um, I wouldn't call it cheap at all, but it was definitely difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were some really cool mechanics there. I like the color scheme. Like, looking at it now, did you think the ship was um, bronze, uh, tan, or gold? Bronze. Like, what color do you think that is? Like, I always thought it looked like, you know, like those old armor, you know? Yeah, it's just, it's such a cool color scheme. It's very, like, World War II aircraft. Um, and it's a shame that we never got to see, like, off in the distance, the ship flying and actually get to see the shape that they cr- created. But in playing it, I definitely give, did get that sense that, unlike Mario games, where you were on an aircraft airship, and it was just, like, a mishmash of, of uh, 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 elements... This, they actually put the time and effort in to actually make it look like a ship, which was cool. I like that. And next we have <gasps> your favorite. No, I mean, the last stage, right? Death Egg yeah. Zone, which is basically... Well, Death Egg is basically based on the the Star Wars, right? Um, yeah. The Death Star. The final stage takes place within Eggman's Death Egg... And the level actually shares assets from Chemical Plant Zone. Did you know that? Uh, no. Uh, this is not much of a stage as all you do is walk a short pathway and have two large battles. One with Mecha Sonic, which wasn't even teased throughout the game. And the other was uh, Death Egg Robot, which is a huge 
robot suit with Eggman in it. Um, I th- I think yeah. the Eggman robot suit fight became way like, more iconic than the Mecha Sonic fight because they reused it later on in generations and other games. Um, yeah. What is your opinion on this fight? Uh, what's your opinion on like Mecha Sonic just coming out of nowhere? Do you think he should have been teased up like oh kind of <laughs> like they do with Metal sometimes? Like Metal Sonic was yeah, on the cover. It Right, it would. I'm actually kind of surprised they didn't put Mechasonic like on the cover. Um, I think that would have been kind of a cool co- selling point for the uh, artwork. Then again, all we got was the number two, mm, you yeah. know, it, with Sonic were, and Tails. They, they I were think being they'll... like really like um, I don't know, like secretive of what the game was. And I've noticed. Yeah, yeah, but um, I think it would have been cool if there were cutscenes where it looked like. Um, Robotnik was like taking notes on you or collecting data, and then that would lead to Mechasonic. So you get these little hints. Um, I think the the big suit, it's kind of overplayed now. Yeah, like, <laughs> um, it was cool in Generations, um, but then we also had it in Sonic Four. We had it in Sonic Mania. I did like the change-up where it was in Green Hill Zone in Sonic Mania. Like, it was kind of cool to see the final boss in the first stage. Um, but still, I think they need to put it put it to rest for a little bit. Because it's... Let's, let's keep it special. I have you know? to agree with that. And the last stage we're talking... I mean, yeah. at least the last official stage. The special stage. The special stage from Sonic yes. 1 was completely wor- reworked for Sonic 2. Now featuring a half-pipe-like mm-hmm. tube where the camera is behind the player, sort of like a sprite scaler game, where Sonic and Tails have to collect a certain number of rings each round to continue. But watch out, there are bombs yes. that will make you lose rings. To get to the special stage, you have to have 50 rings at a star post. And I'm pretty sure it's possible to get them all in the first stage, Emerald Hill, right? If you wanted to get them all. I think so. Um, yeah. What is your opinion on the special stage, and what do you think growing up... like? It, I thought it was pretty. I was like, "This is a 3D video game. Why isn't the whole game 3D?" That's what I was thinking. Yeah, no it it was visually it was very impressive. Um, I I always have had an issue with special stages that didn't utilize skills that you built up during the main game. Mm. And I I will say in the case of Sonic Two, they did it right. Of course, you're moving. You're in a different dimension. Mm-hmm but you're still um, using the same sort of uh, skills that you learned only in a kind of half-pipe setting. Um, Yeah, I I like it. It's probably my favorite special stage out of all the ones that are out there and the best executed. Um, Again, going back to Sonic 4 Episode 2, they tried this. I don't think it was as good. Um, Same with uh, Sonic Heroes Mm. tried this, I believe. It didn't really work as well. Um, I mean, who else did it? Sonic 3D Blast on the Saturn, I, right? Did a 3D version of this? I didn't play this? too much of Bla- 3D Blast, so I, I'm not going to be the, the oh, best okay. character witness yeah. on that one. And so, kind of like with the Death Egg robot, it's like they would bring it back again and again because it was so iconic, but the original is always Better. the yeah. best, in my opinion. I mean, the first... Yeah. One, oh my god, dude, so much frustration, dude. When you like the thing that you know, the camera that turns around rotating, man, yeah. so much screaming as a kid. I feel like I had more control of this. The only thing I would say that I hated was Tails always losing your rings for you if you had them. I wish uh, the, they should have made them uh, not have rings at all, 
But what it is what it is. Um, let's talk about scrap levels. Um, one thing that I didn't get too into were the scrap levels and the drama behind them. Um, according to a lot of the Western staff, it seems Sega was very quick to scrap American-made levels and keep the Japanese ones. Here is a quote from Craig Stitt, who went to make Spyro, like we talked about, who was his own artist for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. He, this is his quote. My only complaint was that if art had to get cut out, it always seemed to be a, an Americans on the team who got art to, got cut. Sometimes this was because the art wasn't working, but on other occasions, I don't believe this was the case, such as Hidden Palace Zone. Although I never, uh, I was never happy uh, with the far background. So let's look at some of the stages that they cut. First one, we only have this yeah. kind of sketch. It's called Cyber City here, but it used to be called Genocide City, but it was changed to Cyber City because Sega, uh, Sega of America told them it's not a very good name to have in your game. This was meant to be a mechanical or industrial theme, but was dropped because it wasn't enough time to finish it. Thus, it became a third act from Metropolis Zone, as I mentioned. The zone, like all zones, was envisioned by Hiro Kazu Asahara and Yusashi Yamaguchi. Uh, uh, But in the in-game graphics were, uh, were, were the responsibility of Tom Payne. As the name Genocide City, he said it was an early name and was changed when they found out what it meant. It is said Genocide City was meant to not have a boss and be more of a brown color scheme. The work on this stage was actually reused in an unreleased Genesis game called B-Bomb and was later reused hmm. later in Sonic Spinball stage The Machine. So we got it in, 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 in some form. Uh, what is your? I mean, there's nothing really to talk about. So let's go to the next one, which is the most popular scrap level, Hidden Palace Zone. Uh, I mean, I think we both consider this the most popular scrap level. Um, uh, the underground zone with purple water and sparkling gems has dinosaur-looking baddies. The z- the reason it was so infamous, it was used at in a lot of promotional materials leading up to the game's release. Most of the stage art is by Craig Stitt. Um, according to Yuji Naka, Hidden Palace Zone was supposed to be the stage where Sonic would teleport to after he found the Chaos Emeralds. The name of the stage would later be reused in Sonic Knuckles. This zone was would later be added finally officially into Sonic 2 via Taxman's release. Uh, remember the Mystic Cave uh, Zone pit? Well, jumping into it now takes you to Hidden Palace Zone, thus being really hidden. The official level was reworked from original assets and sprites, but uses completely new level layout created from scratch. In, tax, in Taxman fashion, uh, he also added new uh, gimmicks like water pipes that blast players through tubes and rocket-powered zip lines. So, what's your opinion on Hidden Palace Zone? You think it would have been cool to be tra- you unlock Supersonic? Not only do you get Supersonic, or get, I mean, when you get the Chaos Emeralds, but you get a new zone to play as. That would have been pretty sick. Yeah, that would have been really cool. Um, I'm really glad though that they did add it into the iOS version. I know years ago we interviewed um, uh, Stealth mm-hmm. uh, Headcanon, and we talked a bit about this too. I recall, yeah. and I also know, and I'll, I'll put this up only for Patreon viewers that I received a Sonic 2 map of Hidden Palace Zone, which is out there on the internet, but not this specific one. I think this was actually from 
uh, Taxman and Stealth's development. Um, this image was posted somewhere online and then quickly deleted. And the guy who posted it said, please don't save that. And I saved it. So um, I don't think I'll get in trouble saving it or sharing it on our, our Patreon. I don't think so. Hopefully uh, Because not. it's basically... It's basically what you get if you search Hidden Palace Zone map, but it's uh, it's cool to see. So I'll share that up there. But um, in any case, yeah, it's 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 cool. I like that it brings back the little dinosaur, uh, Batnik, um, and others. So it gives it an ancient feel, it's, right? It's cool. To his powers, like there's something with history uh, with these uh, Chaos Emeralds, and I, I I like that. I think it's pretty cool. Let's yeah, talk about absolutely Wood Zone. Uh, this is, I think, the most American-looking level. Um, Sega had a wood-themed level plan, which was designed primarily yeah. by Brenda Ross, but never got done. It was meant to be a, ma- a maze stage with a forest-type background. According to Brenda, the game art was 50% done before being scrapped. No boss was created for yeah. the stage. In early prototypes, it was playable enough uh, a playable enough stage, even if unfinished. Sadly for Brenda, all her content got cut from out of the game. Um, that sucks. And it is believed none of her work actually made into the official Sonic 2 release. Uh, what do you think about her yeah. art? You could tell it's by somebody totally different. It's, yeah, it's a shame, but I'll be honest. Like Looking at this, it does not feel like a Sonic 2 stage. It feels like a Western platformer. Mm-hmm. Like I could see Bubsy in Sonic's place, and it would not throw me off. Um, no offense to her, it's beautiful work. It just I don't think it it fits well with the um, overall aesthetics. If anything, it looks it kind of reminds me of like I maybe like Sonic Three, I guess you know when you're going through those trees and stuff. But even then, I just never seen they like, stylized it enough. I don't know. It just it reminds yeah. me of those weird like Disney games where they randomly would do one and then you, the assets would be like oh I don't know. It just looks like it's just a generic platforming level to me that's it doesn't have the aesthetics of a sonic yeah. level so to me it's not a big deal it would have to be reworked for sure yeah. um the next one we have is a uh, sand shower zone this was another scrap level that was devised by brenda ross and never made it into the game the zone's theme is desert theme brenda says the game's layout was completely completed before she moved on to work on wood zone which we just talked about the level would have below and above ground sec- uh, sections. According to some people, this level was supposed to be a part of Sonic 2's initial time travel plot that was scrapped. Something we talked about a bit. <clears throat> I mean, is there anything you would want to say about this level outside that uh, it's uh, a desert level? I mean, I think it reminds me of a Sonic that Sonic Mania level that they did. Well, that's that's what they actually, I believe, was a callback to. I think there was actually a moment in Sonic Mania that looks exactly like okay, this. Okay, that makes 100% with that sense. Layout. So, Did they credit her? Did they credit you know, Brenda? So <laughs> they, they should have. have. Because I will say it sounds like we were giving Brenda a hard time with the um, wood zone. But looking here, it's very clear that she is able to nail that Sonic aesthetic. Because I look at this and... Like, in an alternate universe where this was a Sonic 2 stage, I wouldn't have blinked. If anything, I would have been Ooh. like still thinking that uh, Hilltop Zone was lazy compared to this, which I would have been, like, hailing as my favorite stage or something. You know? um, the next two games, the next two stages we're going to talk about are briefly don't have actual artwork. So uh, there's Rock World Zone, yeah. known as uh, Rock Zone. This was the name featured in documents yeah. and sketches, but it was unclear that it would have what it would have been and it, why it was scrapped very, I mean, it was scrapped very early. 
could be just an early name for a right. rocky environment zone. Um, and then there's Winter Zone, another stage worked by Brenda uh, that had recycled graphics from the desert stage we're looking at right here, uh, but edited to be more winter palette. Instead of cacti, we would have Christmas trees. Um, art director Tom <laughs> Skeely said it, that very little was produced on the stage, but I that had potential. I would love to see a Christmas themed ice stage. Uh, that would that, that would uh, create that would because I mean, growing up, Christmas was always your favorite time because you got all the toys, you know. So, oh, for sure. Um, let's talk about a little bit about the gameplay. Sonic Two obviously uses the engine from the first game, but kept the ba same basic formula. We get a lot of iconic gameplay elements such as the, the loop the loop and the curved slopes that were and uh, new hazards like the uh, corkscrews and slot machines, like we mentioned in the levels. But let's talk about some changes. Spin Dash. When uh, new re-releases of the first Sonic game... Oh, I mean, almost every single new re-release has the Spin Dash, right? It's become an iconic yeah. feature, but it was first introduced in this game. You pull down, you press any button, and Sonic will charge up his speed and burst through the screen. Opening up a lot of uh, possibilities for speedrunners and gamers. I would say this is probably the biggest change to Sonic that's worked in 2D games that changed the gameplay and how you play it. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I would say it wasn't until boost mechanics were introduced. Um, this was really the biggest change to Sonic, and it came so soon, uh, basically after Sonic and Sonic CD, if you like to you know, go in that order. Yep. And the next, um, we have Tails. Usually when you think of a second character, you don't think how he affects the game. Uh, but Tails was programmed to play with Sonic via AI or a second controller, allowing Sonic to hover for short distances and even have him help with boss battles since he never dies. As we all know, Tails is immortal. Of course, <laughs> having Tails is optional. I did not think that was possible optional when i played but maybe I'm, I'm 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 wrong and i never looked into it he is yeah if you push it because the options go down more so it's like deep beep and then it's like the third one and then you can have sonic sonic and tails or tails so yeah there you go uh then there's two player mode this mode uh yes. takes emerald hill zone casino night zone and mystic cave zone from single the single player game and adapts it into a racing map and split screen sonic will always take the top screen tails will always take the bottom screen and you will be graded in five different ways score time ring count total ring count including the ones you lost and the number of item boxes you have opened the person that takes hmm. the, uh most of the five ways wins the match the game also features the old single-player item boxes, but also introduces a few new ones, including teleportation box that switches the player's pos positions on the map, the 8-band monitor, if you pop it, you get hit, The boxes, the, all the boxes were static, so the player would have to be basically hoping that something good came out. So, like, if you got a Tails life, you gave the opponent the life. Because it's for Tails. Oh, right. So there's also a, a way for you to change every monitor in the game to a teleportation monitor. So you guys would just be hitting every box and changing, changing. And the way that the the, the way great. that the, the mode was made was pretty clever because you didn't have to be the fastest to win. You could literally just like rack up all the scores, get two at least, or at least three of them. Yeah. I mean, you could get you could just open up all the item boxes get as many rings as you can 
and that's it. You would you'd be able to win because you would take three of them. Um, what is your overall thoughts of Sonic Team's uh, uh, implementation of two-player mode in this game? My only complaint is the way it looks. I mean, I think that was everybody's complaint at the time, right? The, that it stretched out the right. screen and looked weird. What's your opinion on it, though, outside of that? Yeah. Outside of that, I thought it was great. I really liked that I was able to play stages from the game with my friends and time attack with them. Um, Moving forward, though, I really liked how later games would give you completely original stages just because it it created more variety and gave you a reason to want to play these if you want to experience everything the game has to offer with new music, new graphics, things like that. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's gravy. (laughs) You know, on top of what you already get. They didn't need to do this, but they did. And I wish they would keep doing it again. Going back to Sonic Colors, they did it there. And I, I'm increasingly feeling like Sonic Colors was like the Sonic 2 of 3D Sonic games. Because it did so much of what Sonic 2 and the classic Sonic games did to make the games enjoyable. <laughs> so, so... um. Let's talk about advertisement. Um, advert- this okay. is something that we usually only get like one video of when we do it. But one of the biggest marketing aspects of Sonic 2 was Sonic Tuesday, uh, which was a sim. Uh, they were going to release it uh, nationwide on the same day, considered as an unusual move at the time. I have seen Al Nielsen right. say that this was the first time it was ever done. But reading online, it's not 100% true since Sega Technical Institute's Kid Chameleon actually did that coming out on may 28th 1992 while sonic the hedgehog 2 released on november 21st in japan 24th in america at the time sega launched a 10 million dollar advertisement campaign for this game so we got some good ads to see one of the more iconic advertisements happened to be the sonic the hedgehog 2 sega genesis bundle commercial in america that was mocking late night uh advertisements this ad was also recreated by Sega of America to promote the limited edition of Sonic Mania. Or, did I ever say Mania? I feel like I said Sonic Mania like three times. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to the thing. Let's watch the first one. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Got it. Now, when you buy the Sega Genesis that comes with Sonic 1, you'll get Sonic 2 absolutely mm. free. Sonic 2 handles oh, stubborn stains, oh. embarrassing balls, but no it. problem. I didn't get one of those. It even slices and dices, makes thousands of julienne fries. That's but great. Wait, you can play it too. This free Sonic 2 is a $54.99 value. You get two Sonics for the price of one. Sonic 2 fits easily into Ooh. any tackle box. Any tackle box like that. Plastic it fits for years of family fun and pets oh, love it too. Buy the Sega Genesis that comes with Sonic 1 and get Sonic 2 free. Act yeah, this is basically what we like to call perfect advertisement. Um, this is my one of my favorite commercials yeah. of all time. It has everything that like you know Sega is known for the comedy. Uh, I don't know, it's just really cheeky. It really captures that era. I think this is probably the best one they did. The next one we're gonna watch is I think kind of is like um, Al Nielsen had this thing where he liked to go and do like uh, very like fast like. Everything's fast, everything's in your face, everything's extreme, and this is one of them. It's called um, <clears throat> Listen Up and uses the mark. This is the, I think, one of the first ads that uses the word blast processing as marketing, which we all know is not BS. It's 100% real. Um, 
And so we're gonna take a look at the we're gonna take a look at the thirty second ad. There's two ads for this. There's a fifteen second ad and the thirty second ad. The thirty second ad has more stuff, obviously. So tell me when you're ready. Let's do it. All right, go. All right, listen up. Ooh. Sonic Two is here with Beautiful. ten levels and a fresh How fast new half dude. A casino zone, mm -hmm. new money tales, the dude that's talking. Yeah, dude, what's up? Which makes him faster graphics. than ever. With awesome new graphics, the new split screen lets two huh. play, and a spin dash that can be startling. I love doing that. New Sonic 2 for Sega Genesis and Game Gear, and each sold separately. It was weird that the Sega was at the middle part. What do you mean? Was was that the 15 second? No, end? this is a 30 second ad. I I mean I, I think you put the 15 second ad. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I think we we played no no, the, no. I played the 28 second one. Sorry. No, I listened to that one too. What I was saying was like halfway through, the old lady did the Sega, but that's usually at the end of the ad. That's why I was kind of oh. surprised that they did it then. What is your opinion on that one? I, that one really reminds me of this like marketing tactic that Sega had at the time, where they're like the cool kid is selling you the game, right? Like this is that that teenager that you knew in your neighborhood, and he's telling you about this game called Sonic Two, and that's kind of what the attitude they went for, right? Well, uh, Nintendo right. just had a different marketing. Like, they tried to copy Sega, obviously during Donkey Kong. We talked about a little bit about that in another episode, which I forgot what what game it was we were talking about, but it was there. Um, Vector Man? I think it was Vector Man I wanted to say, but I'm like, why would we talk about? Oh, because of the graphics, right? That's what we were talking. The yeah, right. For sure, it was Vector Man. Yes, watch that episode. It's actually pretty cool because Vector Man is underrated. The next one we have is the last one, a Cheerio ad. So Sonic the Hedgehog teams yes. up with the iconic Buzz the Bee. I, I had to look it up. I didn't know his real name. Which is considered one of the best crossovers in world history. Better than World War II and the first World Olympics. Did you believe that? It ranked higher than those two. I'm wow. surprised myself that you just made that up. Um, so let's play when you're ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. It's him playing Sonic. What do you think about this look? Sonic's... It's weird to see animated Sonic on top of game graphics and then to see game graphics become animated. Like, this is obviously not Sega. Um, no, but it does remind me of like when they would put clip art on top of uh, scenes from the games for like the trading guards and stuff. And look at that, it's Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's, uh, I grew up there. So, so cool. what do you think about that ad? Did you, I mean, did... Uh, Serial advertisements actually work on you when you were younger? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I one of my earliest memories um, going out to the grocery store to find a specific uh, toy was the Sonic skateboard toy, which was in, I want to say, Cookie Crisp. And there was a blue one and a gold one. And in my head as a kid, I was like, well, they alternate. So I just grabbed the first two boxes and I, I got it right. So in my head, it was like blue gold, blue gold, blue gold on the shelf. Nice. Um, yeah, the, the, the Buzz B one with Cheerios is a great commercial. But from what I remember, and I think I actually own the box, it's just like a, a sweepstakes. There was no giveaway, nothing really cool about it. No, like, clip out trading cards or anything. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, and that actually does bring us into the, the next section. Do you want me to cover that since I wrote all of it? Yes, that would be nice. Okay. All right, cool. Well, I'm excited to talk about this. So, 
Having already established Sonic in 1991, Sonic 2, as I mentioned, allowed Sega to debut multimedia merchandise and food promotions centered around the game. While Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles were more blatant with their promotional tie-ins, heavily promoting the games and using the logos, Sonic 2 was largely promoted using just like the general Sonic logo. You did not see Sonic 2's logo on like Lifesavers or on cereal boxes, really. It was just Sonic. Yeah. Um, however, the inclusion of Tails and sightings of Emerald Hill in other Sonic 2 locations did make it clear that uh, it was a Sonic game that was actually being promoted, which was Sonic 2. Um, these sorts of promotions, they actually ran from late 1992 all the way up until just before Sonic 3 released in early 1994. So it's interesting that Sega was really stretching out the the whole Sonic 2, Emerald Hill Zone, Tails sort of aesthetic, um, as you would see with merchandise that included the Topps Collector's Cards, which spanned the first two games, as well as the aforementioned uh, official guide here, which does the rare Sonic 1, like stylized in the logo. You don't see that too often. No, don't actually. Um, isn't that weird? Yeah. The other time I think you see it is in one of those uh, multi-game carts where it's called Sonic 1, but they don't do that logo as fancy. Um, there's also plush toys. There's a Sonic and Tails plush, uh, wind-up toys, and there's various other things. Not as prevalent or prominent as um, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, but they were there. There was the aforementioned Cheerios commercial that George played the video for. Beautiful. And then I want to get to this. So in 1992, November, Archie Comics released the Sonic the Hedgehog issue zero, which saw the inclusion of Tails as well as several new characters known as the Freedom Fighters. In the early years of the comic, it acted as an amalgamation of the two upcoming cartoon shows, which were both in development at the same time as the Archie comic miniseries and maybe like the, the first five issues of the Archie comics. So, despite the series adapting Sonic 3 and several other games that followed, Sonic 2 never really saw an adaptation until issues 228 and 229, which, if you're doing the math, is years later, with the Genesis Part 3 and 4. Have you read these? I have not read these. I, I kind of want to go back okay. and uh, read the best stories of Archie. I just haven't had time to do it, mm -hmm. but this is something I'm thinking of doing some stuff on, like content-wise, so I have to go back and, and read it, but I have not, so yeah. you can tell us. Yeah, so I, I won't get too into the plot, but basically in the original comic canon going up to like issues... 230-ish, um, Eggman basically was resetting reality and creating a temporary unstable reality set during the events of Sonic 1 and 2. So basically, he was taking the readers all the way back to the beginning, but it was like a different take on the beginning. So it was a little confusing. Hmm. Um, the series would again adapt Sonic 2 in issue 289, which wasn't too long after... Uh, 228 and 229 but with this one it was called genesis of a hero part two and it was a canon retelling of past events within this comics rebooted canon so you were getting another adaptation of sonic 2 but much more based on the games and it's the rebooted uh, uh retelling so it's it's like as a reader 
you're probably pretty confused. By yeah, this point. because like um, this kind of reminds me of when like uh, when DC did the rebirth, where they're like, we're just going to reboot it, guys. Right. Basically, right. Right. So basically, when the Sonic comics kicked off, Sonic Two, Sonic One, Sonic Two already kind of happened. It was just new adventures set in like different cartoon kind of universes, all balled up into one thing. Then they were like, this is getting way too complicated, let's do a reset. So they did a callback to the original games with the Genesis arc. Then they rebooted, with, which was starting with issue 252, which is kind of funny because New 52 is when there was a big reboot with um, DC, yeah, correct? Yeah, that's right, you're right. Um, and then they finally got around to doing retellings of Sonic's origins in this new rebooted universe. And what's so sad is that with issue 290, the series ended and they never did 291, which would have been the final part to the story. And then on top of that, they had Tyson Hess doing a um, thing called, I believe it was called Mega Drive. Yeah. uh, Where it was also unfinished. So they had two classic Sonic arcs unfinished, one more issue to go, and they couldn't give a rat's ass now to like actually give us that. They're just like, "Hey guys, Sonic the Hedgehog has the coronavirus and the all new idea, you know, IDW Sonic." <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it is. It is uh, shameful uh, anyway, that he didn't finish it, but yeah. Um, IDW's recent reboot of the Sonic comics also referenced Sonic Two, with the game story being the canon backstory, and then the UK Sonic the comic, which debuted in 1993, also makes many Sonic 2 references. Whew. All right. Uh, most famously, following Sonic 2's release, fans saw the debut of two cartoons in September 93, The Syndicated Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog and the ABC Saturday Morning Sonic the Hedgehog. Both shows featured tales. However, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog felt much more like a continuation of Sonic 2, even featuring an episode flashing back to how Sonic and Tails met, as well as featuring several references to the game, including Casino Night Zone in the episode High Stakes Sonic. Um, And then there was also an episode called The Mobius 5000, which featured Chemical Plant, Casino Night, and a shortcut through a half-pipe special stage, including the Star Post, as well as the show's only reference to rings, which were gray for some reason. Um, we also had the lead Badniks, the super special Sonic Search and Smash Squad, which were all based on Sonic 2 enemies, including Grounder, Coconuts, and Scratch, who, who resembles, uh, I guess, Clucker. And then finally, we had Sonic 2, uh, dominating the world of entertainment as 2020's Sonic the Hedgehog movie is, uh, uh, sequel is set for April 8th, 2022. And everyone's calling it Sonic 2. Yeah. They'd be idiots not to call Pretty much. it Sonic 2. If they call it, like, Sonic Quest for the Twilight Ring or something stupid... Or the Owlboys. Then... Like... Yeah, like, if if you do a stupid subtitle, like the Smurfs and the Lost Village or some stupid shit like that, like, you've really lost it. Like, call it Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and you're gonna get my butt in the seat. Um... Tails is going to join the main cast for sure. We don't know, though, if they're going to keep the voice actress. It would be kind of shitty if they didn't and replaced him with, like, Tobey Maguire or something. Um, other notable Sonic 2 cameos include Chemical Plant Zone at the end credits of Wreck-It Ralph. Mm, yeah. Scott Pilgrim, Volume 4's graphic novel Splash Page, referencing the game's title screen. And 
I don't know if you've ever seen this. It's an oddly cropped Sonic 2 poster on a kid's wall in the show Are You Afraid of the Dark? And it's cut in half. So it's only the top part of the poster, which makes no sense. It's like... They, it's like this. They like wanted to use the poster. It's they like, like that. They wanted to use it, and they're like, "Well, Sega didn't pay us." Oh, it's a pretty sick poster, right? So they just cut it in half. Yeah, that way they don't. They don't uh, know. We don't know. Yeah, exactly. So that's me. That's thanks, kids. Thanks for what. Thanks for listening. Um, let's talk about the legacy of the game to, before we close it. Up. Okay. Sonic the Hedgehog two would go on to be the second best selling Sega Genesis title of all time, losing only to the first wow. Sonic. And quite frankly, it makes sense since uh, Sega was practically giving the game away, the first Sonic, when the second came out. It had a ton of right. bundles and was even in compilations like the Sega Six Pack, which, I, I mean, I w- it had six great games. You had to buy it if you were you wanted the best bang for your buck. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 went on to sell over 6 million units, with only 400,000 of those units coming from Japan. The game also wow. topped the UK chart for two months. Meaning the two holiday months, which I consider that to be huge. While Sega was gaining ground on Nintendo during this time, Sonic 2 rocketed Sega's market share to 40% within the first six months of release. That's legendary. Uh, That's awesome. I'm putting a picture up of Tom Kalinske with a bunch of kids playing Sonic 2 to, to get you guys in the <laughs> vibe and the mood. While looking yeah. at critic uh, critics, oh, okay. So historically, Sonic has been pop has never been popular in Japan. Why do you think this is? And would you be shocked if, uh, that it couldn't even sell half a million units in its home country? I I don't know why. It's it's a question that even Yuji Naka can't answer. He actually was just on Twitter today as we record this, being like, "Sonic still hasn't caught on in Japan. I don't know why." You know. Um, it's a shame because it's just such an awesome game. I guess platformers are they just not that popular over there? You would, I mean, Mario games seem to sell pretty well. To me, it's like I, That's true. I feel like the speed maybe or the way that it's designed with the physics, it's being more open world ended. Maybe they don't like that. It is weird that it, maybe they like. Like I think the Japanese really like the puzzle nature to the Sonic to the Mario games because if you look, the ones that really catch on are the ones where it's just like. 10,000 levels, uh, <laughs> you know, and each one are like 15 seconds long. Yeah. You know, they just, they love it. Um, I, I have no um, idea what it is. I, I think that is his character aesthetic. I thought even they should sell at least merch a lot over there. It doesn't look that way. Like, there is Sonic merch, but it doesn't look like it's Hello Kitty type of popularity. You know what I mean? Uh, as a brand right, over there. Right. So, whatever. So usually we do this thing now where we look at critics' reviews. So I want to bring up some of these reviews. Um, while uh, everything was actually kind of glowing, everybody loves this game. So it's surprising that sometimes you hear some critics go, it was never good. Um, here's some of the stuff I did find, though. Two-player mode distorting hmm. the picture that had flickering graphics was a complaint. Calling tales useless and irritating due to interferences with boss battles. I don't know about hmm. that one. It's too easy, but suggested that each stage has secrets that make it more challenging and replayable. Too easy for people that couldn't beat it. Sorry, guys. Um, hmm. Games Radar Plus said in 2008 re-review, when Sonic is hurting ar- hurling around the screen, the game could be criticized for playing itself. Another thing we talked about. Special stages have been uh, have been uh, critiqued because of Tails losing rings when he gets hit and. The- and the dreadfully blocky graphics. I don't, 
I didn't think it looked blockily, uh, blockily, blocky at all. Like weak, 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 weak. guys. Come on. I, I do agree that Tails getting hit sucks and it's frustrating. I do agree that there that um, the two player mode distorting the picture is annoying. Um, outside of that, I, to be honest with you, there's not a lot of. I don't think there's a lot of moments in the game where you don't feel like you control Sonic. I feel like it's very specific parts of the game. And it was specifically put right. there to blow your mind going like, oh man, this is way faster than the first one. And it accomplishes that at the time. Now we... Absolutely. Now every console could play a Sonic type game. But you gotta understand, back in 1992, we had the NES game. Can you find a game that's as fast as Sonic on the NES. No way. Like, it was just smooth the way Sonic flipped. The camera couldn't keep up, dude. I'm telling you, the camera, the game camera couldn't be programmed fast enough. Nope. That's how fast he was. And that marks the end of this episode. You want to close it up, read our Patreon comments. Yeah. Um, and before I get to that, uh, I just want to thank everyone for watching. This is our 50th episode. I never thought we'd make it this far with Sega Talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's really when we started to do Patreon, when we really told ourselves, let's do these every two weeks, we really got a good groove going. And, um, you know, I was really looking forward to doing this game. And I'm really glad that Daniel um, not only suggested it, but requested that it be our 50th episode and i think that's great so um thank you to him and thank you to the people who support us and the people i'm about to read the comments for so here we go we got jake workala he says i was purely a nintendo kid growing oh. up but i'll never forget my sega friend showing me sonic 2 for the first time at a sleepover at his house when i was eight years old we had so much fun playing it together that it planted the seed for me to buy every Sega console released after that point. Uh, Nicholas Schaefer said, I couldn't afford video games as a kid, but had one Sonic 3, and would I guess he won one of those contests, huh. um, and would spend my weekday weekend reading the manual and watching Sonic cartoons. But in winter 1998, I got a used Genesis with five games for 20 bucks. The first game I played was Sonic 2. I think it was about two months before I switched the card out. I was instantly in love. Also, hot take, Emerald Hill is better than Green Hill. And Daniel replied saying, yes, I love Emerald Hill. It's so fast and fluid. And he got a little heart. And I'll give everyone hearts right now. Heart, heart, heart. There we go. Everyone's getting a heart. Um, and then TH, who I don't know if he's ever commented before, he or she, said the best Sonic game. And I think that's a good way to end our 50th episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. You can check us out on Patreon. You can listen to us on uh, your podcast thing of choice. Or you can watch us on YouTube. And we don't know what we're covering next time, but I'm sure it's going to be something Sega related that we'll talk about. So. Bye. Bye. <laughs>